You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones, and welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Leaders on Leadership podcast, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk to leaders from all over the globe about what it takes to truly pay the price of leadership. And today, I am so excited because my guest is Mike DeChocho. And Mike leads with a service above self mentality, seeking ways that he can make a positive change in his community and in the world. Mike is the founder and president of Social Chameleon, a podcast production agency, as well as the host of Miked Up, a podcast with a mission to help inspire people to be brave and bold in pursuit of their dreams. We love that. Mike loves helping into entrepreneurs, businesses, and brands tell their stories and connect with their audience. Mike, it's an honor to have you here on the podcast. Thanks, Tracy. What an awesome setup. I'm just going to sit back and Enjoy the show with everybody. Made me sound really impressive. Thank you so much for that. Well, friend, and and Mike and I, for the listeners out there, they're always like, Tracy, how do you connect with all these tremendous people? Well, we have only been connected, what, a couple weeks, Mike? Yeah. Absolutely. And we're joking off camera saying how it, we so much has happened in a couple weeks. Like it's entrepreneurial years are like dog years. So exactly. like literally one week is like six months of time. It yeah. is. And it, it's always so exciting. And Mike, I love what you do. We, we've had a couple conversations before this, and I know our leaders are going to be really incredibly inspired and blessed by hearing about what you have been through and how you want to encourage them. So let's get right into it. Okay. So my Excellent. father wrote this speech called The Price of Leadership many years ago, and leadership was his passion. And he was incredibly enthusiastic and optimistic, but he was also really pragmatic. And he always let everybody know, if you're going to be in leadership, and we all need to be in leadership, we all have a calling to be in leadership, it's a privilege, but you're going to have to pay the price. And it's not the corner office, it's not hanging out and making more money, Mm -hmm. there's a lot behind it. And he lists four things that you are going to have to go through, and I think it's really absolutely very entrepreneurial too. Uh, But the first one he talks about, Mike, is loneliness. And you and I have heard the saying, it's lonely at the top. A lot of people are good at their job and they're like, I want to be a leader. And then they're like, oh, <laughs> this is tough. This is lonely. But mm-hmm. can you unpack what loneliness means for you? Maybe if you've been through a season and uh, what words would you give to our audience if they are in a season of loneliness right now? First of all, again, thank you for having me on the show. And thank you for anyone who's tuning into us right now. We know that there's millions of options you can go to for listening to content. And thank you for being here with us today and checking this out. It's interesting that this is the topic that we're starting with because it's very real for me right now feeling this. I have a a small team for Social Chameleon that I put together over the last couple of years. And being a leader of that, I can relate to the loneliness of being a decision maker at the top of a small organization, if there's really not too much of a board of directors to bounce ideas off, that can be lonely. Uh, being a single parent entrepreneur or leader, there's a lack of a uh, personal partner mm-hmm. to just at the end of a day say, hey, you know, kind of share some of the crazy stuff I dealt with or have someone share their day, obviously, and, and have those moments together where someone understands what you're going through. And then the other thing is I've been a leader in corporate America as well with small sales teams and ran sales meetings. And a lot of times that could be lonely too, because you kind of feel the way I felt, I'll speak for myself, is that as a leader, there's got to be a position of like the team needs to buy into you, just like a head coach of a team, a football team or whatever team you're talking about, where you got to have respect 
right? It's the number one thing is people respecting you. They'll, they'll buy into you and not buy into you just to do what you tell them to do, but to genuinely all be moving in the same direction. It's so important for a leader to lead from the front. But then there's like a factor of, I'm always someone who is a little bit of a people pleaser, maybe too much, where if I say or do something and there's something that needs to get done with the team and I give someone responsibility to do it, And there's kind of that, you know, I want them to be into this with the right, you know, where you have to be a little bit of a disciplinarian and like set, just like a parent has to set the right expectations and then have checks and balances with their family. You need to do that in business as well and separate yourself from the people on your team that are also friends of yours is what I'm trying to say. So maybe after work, you know, you'd love to sit down and have a drink with people on your team, or if if that's appropriate or whatever that looks like, cup of coffee, whatever you want to say, where you can, you got to, you know, relate to people and, you know, not just to be likable, but to actually understand and care about your team. But then on the flip, you need to be able to set direction and they follow it. So that's the kind of the challenge I felt where it was a little bit lonely at the top in that I always respected and wanted to be respected by the team on a hey, this guy's cool to just, you know, sit and watch the game with and have a conversation. He's a real person. But at the same time, that real person needs to set the boundaries and set the direction of the team. And then they need to respect it and follow. But as far as to answer your question with the loneliness thing, I've been feeling it a little bit more lately because of the situation. I mean, I'm a single dad and uh, I've been divorced for about four years. I started my company right out of divorce. It was something where everyone was like, this is not a good time for you to walk away from corporate America and start a company. And most of them would have been right. But the thing is only, you know, in your heart, when is the, when you're going to do it, there is no real right time. I mean, Mm. happiness is not something that you put on the back burner. And I was in a situation where I didn't even feel like I didn't like my own self. The reflection in the mirror didn't reflect back person. I was proud of being all the stuff that was going on. I felt like a shell of my actual self. So I, I decided to make that move. But and we'll get to that. I'll talk a little bit more about my entrepreneurial story. But I want to stay on this topic of like how getting through loneliness with things I've at least experienced that I'd like to share that I feel can help the, the audience right now is the number one thing that I've tuned into that's helped is mastermind groups. Mm. I facilitated them in the past from a leadership role, but I also am now uh, facilitating and I'm a member of one as well. Right. So why is that important? Well, that's kind of like that confidence, you know, you know, the old screenplays, the person's title is confidant, right? Like the, the best friend of the protagonist is the confidant. Mm. Well, to have that person in your life that you can share, you know, and trust in, right? Mutual trust. That's what other entrepreneurs or business people or leaders in a mastermind group are going to be willing to offer you is that they're going to give you the real feedback. They're going to be real with you. Super important. Why do I say that? Well, because if someone is married or they have a good connection with their family, that's a fantastic thing, but not always the, the, the best bounce back resource because whether it's your mother, father, husband, wife, whatever the situation is, or if you have an older adult child like that you talk business with, they're not always the best person to either share information with. And I'll, I'll tell you why I feel that way. But also they may give you the family response, which everybody typically who loves and cares about you is going to want you to be, your well-being is so important. Correct. So jumping off and, and becoming an entrepreneur is not always the safe thing that mom and dad are going to want to see their 31-year-old son who is highly successful in 10 years of 
corporate America, they're like, why would you walk away from that? You're a pro bowler. Like, why would you do that to go into something with an unknown? For them, it didn't make sense. But for me, it was the only right decision. We're seeing it with different lenses and different perspectives. The thing I said about going with family is as a leader of your own family, you know, I have a six-year-old daughter. So at no point in time do I ever want to reveal to her that I'm struggling, whether it's in an emotional state or a financial state. I'm her rock. She looks up to me for guidance. She looks up to me for, daddy, what are we doing today? And if I'm breaking down at the seams, that's horrible, right? So we need to, that's not someone that I would go to at this point. Maybe when she's older, she can know more and we could have more of that relationship. But a spouse, even you come home, you had a rough day. You don't want to always unload that on your spouse. That gets messy too. You also don't maybe want to even reveal to them that you're struggling because you're supposed to be the guy in a relationship has this like masculinity thing, which is not a healthy thing to, if you're feeling this and you're a guy or even a girl listening to this and you're just like, you feel like you have some kind of role to play and it's not your genuine self, then number one is identify it. And number two is like, figure out what that is so you can, you can fix it. You got to realize it's happening and then you can fix it. But a lot of times guys don't want to admit like, hey, we don't have it all figured out. And especially a leader in an organization doesn't want to show holes because then that's, they're going to show their vulnerability. But that's actually the best place of growth is when we get real and vulnerable. So that's what I'll say is go to like a mastermind setting where you mm-hmm. can be vulnerable. It's confidential. Make sure people sign waivers that they're not going to spill your dirt. Right. And right. I, that to me is uh, how I feel, you know, you can really work through the loneliness thing. The other thing I'll say, and then I'll let you obviously uh, roll with your question. But the next thing I would say is before I feel you can lead any group of people, you need to be a leader of yourself by setting, it builds confidence. Like if you say you're going to do something and you actually do it, imagine that friend that always says, yeah, you know, oh, I want to play tennis. Okay, cool. Saturday, you don't have the kids, whatever, we're at one o'clock. And then you call them and at like 1230, they give you an excuse. They're not feeling good. They got to go run here. Okay. All right. We're going to play next week though, right? Yeah, sure. How about Friday afternoon? Okay, cool. They dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's yourself when you say, hey, today I'm going to wake up and meditate a half hour before I go in the shower or go to the gym. And then you don't do it. It's like you're the friend dropping the ball all the time. So what does that say to yourself? You're telling yourself you're not important. Now, just realize I'm sharing this and I'm also someone who's going through this myself because there's things that I am not getting packing into my day that I know I'm letting myself down with still. And so I think if everyone's real with themselves, then, you know, you're always looking to grow and be proud of where you're at. Even if you feel you're struggling right now, know that you've come a long way from the beginning. Yet also you should be, you know, I don't like the word should because I always say don't should on yourself, right? But think about how you can go in the right direction. And it's these little things you can do every day. Mm -hmm. And it's the small promises. When you keep them to yourself, you build this crazy confidence that at least you know you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And people will feel that. So then when you come to the team and you bring something out, they're going to know that this guy means business or this gal means business because look at all the things they said they're going to do and they did them. Yes. So now they expect me to do something. That's the level that is set. The bar is set there instead of like, oh, he always talks about doing stuff, but what has he actually done, right? Right, right. Well, you really unpacked a lot there. And and I love that you said, first of all, if you're not at ease with yourself, you're at dis-ease or a disease, Mm -hmm. you know, that's your first indication of loneliness where you look at yourself 
And when you first dial that in, that's the greatest source of peace and liberation you're going to have because then you start attracting the right people. And I love that you said, if you're feeling like thumb sucking or whatever, my dad would always tell me that he would say, I'm going to come home. Uh, nobody knows the troubles I've seen and nobody ever will, because it's not for me to unload that on your mother. It's not for me to burden my kids with that. And, you know, like you said, half the people, my dad would say, don't tell people your problems. Half of them don't care. And the other ones are actually secretly glad. Be very careful. And I love the mastermind concept. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's all over thinking, grow rich in Napoleon Hill. You, you know, my dad, he went through a tremendous amount of stuff and he was incredibly strong. He was very smart with his boundaries and who he shared it with. But he had a ton of incredible people to pour out into that poured back in it and books too. Where right. confidants. It's the right people though. He yeah. set up the right people. I'm glad that you brought that back up because if I can share some of the things that I feel I made mistakes in the past, it's yes. that I literally have this trust. I'm too openly trustful where I'll meet someone. If I like them, we have some common denominators, like a half hour later, they might know everything that's going on in my life because I I'm a relator. I'm a connector. And so it's easy to get there with me. Sometimes people might not even be asking for it, but it's easy for me to open up and yes. even done. I've done so on podcasts before where I've opened up and it's like, maybe I reveal a little bit too much, but at the same time, I don't know if it's cathartic for me to just like get it out. It just feels good because I'm getting out to the universe. I'm not holding it in anymore, mm-hmm. but I would just tell the audience to just be careful. Like you said to, you don't want to hold it in forever or always. So just find the right people to share that with. Like maybe your spouse uh, doesn't, you know, if you reveal that you kind of feel upside down at at work, they might not sleep now because you're, if you're the breadwinner, what does that mean in their head? They might be overthinking. All you're saying is that there's just some stuff that you're dealing with and they may overthink it. Like, you know, I know my mother, obviously, like she, she loses sleep when she knows, because as a young entrepreneur, she, uh, it's not that she's not proud, but she knows that every month is different. Right. So uh, I know she worries more than I'd like to have her worry. So it's a situation where she doesn't need to know. She just needs to know that things are moving forward, whatever. You don't tell that person every little nuance. So I'm not saying to be fake or if they ask, you know, that's up to you to decide what you want to say. I'm not saying lie to people. I'm just saying, you know, have a filter. Your dad had a filter and he chose when to loosen the filter in front of the right group of people. I think that's such great advice. Well, Henry Cloud, Dr. Henry Cloud, one of my all-time favorite authors, has a great book called Safe People. And he talks mm-hmm. about that, how you determine that. And Edwin Lewis Cole wrote a book called The Potential Principle. And being prior military, you know, we never talked about government secrets unless it was on a classified line. So his point is when you share intel about what's going on in your life, make mm-hmm. sure it's on a classified line that that other person has a need to know is on your team and has you back because otherwise you're putting it out there and the stuff we put on social media, you don't know. And you don't want to spew that into the universe because again, you know, the law of attraction, that stuff starts coming back. So just absolutely we're, we're, we're meant from either an evolutionary standpoint or a theological standpoint, we're meant to be a collective. So don't go it alone. But as you said, just be careful because I like you, I like sharing because I just like it, but not everyone is there is going to have your back. So just be careful about it. Yeah, that's great. I think this is awesome. Yeah. yeah awesome. What, what was the next bullet after loneliness? The next bullet after that. So lonely. Okay. As if that's not enough weariness. And my dad always said, you know, you know, you're responsible. Your name is tied to the EIN. You got to If we go bankrupt, it's you, it's you. And people are like, Oh, the guys at the top. And I'm like, yeah, but it's fraught with risk and all that other stuff. But you know, he always, my dad always said, you know, Tracy, you just got to understand there's going to be some people that do way more than their share. And there's ones that do way less. 
But weariness, you know, like anything else is a fact of life. And, and he always said there's good weariness and there's bad weariness. I think you alluded to it too with loneliness. There's a healthy loneliness where we need to just be alone and meditate or be quiet. And we need, there's bad loneliness. So how do you stay at the top of your game? How do you stay fully energized and physically and mentally present and combat weariness? Yeah, I would say with weariness, uh, it's one of those things you need to identify it and understand it. And it's okay to not be okay, number one, first hmm. and foremost. There no guy is too strong, too hard, too tough to admit when things are not going smoothly and then address it. If you're knocked down on the mat, maybe you're dealing with something major, a divorce, a bankruptcy, uh, whatever it might Lawsuit, be, a, fan, a, a, it, yeah. a child going through a uh, medical situation, stuff that devastates us to the point where you can't, uh, I don't like the word, use the word can't either, but there's no choice but to address it. Like if a child has a terminal illness or if you have a terminal illness or if you have a really bad whatever, X, Y, Z, it's time to take care of it, right? There's no option to say, I'm just going to walk away in the other direction. That's not an option. So weariness is going to be natural right there. My point is, if everybody's going to be in that situation now, it's how you react to it. So it's okay to not be okay. You're knocked down on the mat, but now everybody at some point gets up. Is it tomorrow? Is it next week? Are you going to go on a six month bender because you're out of it and you just feel like you've thrown in the, the towel? What does that look like for you? So I'd say it's really important to have a strong hold on that to understand, hey, I'm going to get through this. And the best way for me to get to where I would like to be is to start making some small progress and then some bigger steps and some bigger steps. Trying to handle a big hole is something that's like, you know, you're taking on something that is going to stress you out even more. And then I would say it's going to be easier for you to pull back and make excuses or whatever that might look like. And sometimes it's not even like an excuse, it's reality. Mm-hmm. If you try, I just, in an interview I had with a guest on my show earlier today, she turned her financial situation around in two years. She paid off $25,000 of debt. She's like, she was young, just fresh out of college. And now she's someone who teaches people about managing their money and she's brilliant. But uh, she experienced that, right? But if you take someone who has a money problem and say, get out of this $50,000 hole, because they don't have the system in place to do that, you're asking them to basically, they're setting them up for failure. Mm-hmm. But if you say like, hey, let's figure out how you can save five, 10 bucks a week. And I, when I see you on Friday, you show me where your five, yes. $10 is, they have something to solve. So if you're weary, whatever that looks like, acknowledge it and then set up some ways that you're going to get yourself out of it. And if it's a $50,000 problem or something major, mm-hmm. whether it's financial, I'm just using that number. It could be financial, it could be emotional. If it's this huge gap, is it going to be taken care of in 24 hours? Absolutely not. So also acknowledge that it's going to be more of a process. And then I would say, get obsessed with the process of, of being someone who's going to get out of that Yeah. and realize that I would tell everyone listening to this, that whether you believe in the God, in God or the universe, I do believe that people that are given taller tasks are put in position because they're the right person to handle that, mm-hmm. to teach lessons to others. So if you're learning things, don't bring that to the grave, get it out and teach people. That's like the people I listen to have been, been there, done that. They have the t-shirt, you know, they, they went through the clinic. They understand what it takes to get out of these situations. So the uh, last thing I'll say on this one is there's no shortage of information. So no excuse to get yourself out of something. If you don't know how to do it, there's 
people out there willing to help you. And most of it's free. You can watch YouTube tutorials, whatever it is. And the thing that you need help with, get professional help. If you don't have the means to do it, there's free resources. And then at the end of the day, there's always a person in the mirror. And you know that if you really focus on it, you can start to pick yourself up one step at a time. Right. Well, I love that you brought up it's really habits. And it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes is by Lena Horn. And she says, it's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way you carry it. So you talked Mm. about the crises that hit us. And man, I mean, there are things that will knock me down hard. But just like the little problems are big problems, you tease it out, you reverse engineer as a project manager, we call it chunking, just do one little thing every day. Mm. But I can remember for the listeners out there, and I don't know if you can relate to this, when I feel sometimes the most bad weary is when my habits, when I've gotten off my structure, my schedule, and I feel like I'm just spinning or I've lost my my mojo. And that it's like you think that doing activities makes you weary. No, doing activities, productive activities fills you and actually gives you more energy. It's when you're stuck in a rut that and you think, well, I'm just taking a rest. Are you, you got, like you said, you got to look in the mirror and be honest. Are you making, are you taking a rest? Are you making an excuse? You know, I'll also say that the lack of activity is when depression and negativity can fall in too. Let's not make a mistake of saying I'm not uh, acknowledging the importance of rest, whether it's meditation or getting, getting quality sleep or even taking a moment to breathe. That is super important. But I'm saying like, if you create these goals in your calendar, that's when uncertainty can seep in and depression. It's hard to find someone that's on purpose and driven and the, the responsibilities are strong and they're tied to their purpose and they're busy for that person to even have time to be depressed, you know? And at the same time, if they are underneath all of that, they need to address it. Absolutely. I'm going to tell a quick story here. So I've, after four years of being an entrepreneur, the um, first time I've t- taken an official day off. So when I'm with my daughter, you know, I have my daughter on set days and times and everything. I try to be as much present with her. Not going to lie, there's days when I still take calls and stuff like that. But for the majority of the time I'm with her, I want to be with her, right? As long as I can schedule it correctly. So those are kind of days off, but it's, it's family time, right? Most important thing. But I have not taken like a set scheduled vacation, right? I've gone out of town. Usually it's to work or I've done a workcation where I went to a nice touristy spot. Just so that was the backdrop while I worked out of a hotel, just to change the scenery. I had uh, water damage last summer and we had like two feet of water in the basement and all this stuff. And I just like left the situation because there were machines set up. Right. And so we couldn't even be down there and I had all my equipment down there. So basically I had to not work where I normally would be working. So I just went up for a couple of days, like four days and stayed in a place where I had a beautiful view, beach view. I still worked is my point. So this, like last week is the first time I didn't take my computer with me. I went down to Florida. I visited my brother and my sister-in-law. My other sister and daughter came with us. I got everybody their plane tickets. And then my sister treated to Disney for the day. And I was just hundred percent present and tuned out of my everyday needs. My team was presented all the information they needed. They were creating content while I was gone. My clients all received personal connection with me before I left. And I said, look, I'm going to be out of town. This is when I return. All your content's taken care of. It's all scheduled. It's ready to go. I even have emails that I I send them, personal emails on the day that their podcast comes out. Mm -hmm. And I sent that previous, it was like queued up and then they just needed to press forward and they could send it on to their guests. So they had all that already prepared. 
So I literally had it like automated while I was gone. First time ever in the four-year window. When I came back, I was struggling a little bit. It's not that I, to get back in the hard working, like I was always consistently kind of overworking as most family will tell an entrepreneur, like you're doing too much, right? So that was just my mentality is like go mode, right? 12 hour days. And when I took the time off, when I came back, it was kind of a struggle because there were a lot of things that I, by removing myself from it, I was able to evaluate it better. Because when you're in it, like you're talking about kind of consistently doing all the things you need to do to get it done. If I wasn't meditating enough or I was started to read books more again, I used to read it every day and I got away from it, making an excuse of, oh, you know, the time thing or starting my days a little bit later because I go to bed at ridiculous hours. So by taking this week off, it actually allowed me to come back and look at diving back into it. And I was like, I don't think I want to dive back into that again. I want to fix it. So now, you know, and I'm reading a book called Recalibrate, and it's going to be a shout out to Jen Traverse who wrote it. And she was actually recently on my show, but she wrote this book, Recalibrate. And I feel like I was in a time and place that I needed to totally recalibrate. And I started to read it on this vacation on the plane ride home. And, and I picked it right back up when I got back home. And I'm like halfway through the book last couple of days. And I feel like, wow, this is the right time and place for me to hear all this. So I would just say that, you know, if you feel you're at a place where you need to recalibrate, you need to take that time to evaluate it and then change things. You know, otherwise you you will continue to go and wear down in a way that you're not even happy, like what you're doing. You might be on purpose and doing something you're proud of in your business, your company and serving your clients, but make sure that you're not just in go mode all the time without you even assessing what you're doing. Cause mm-hmm. that can, that can be ugly too there. I did it for four years until I finally stopped and said, maybe we need to get back to doing some of these things I'm not doing right now. Right. Well, I love that you hit on, you know, no one's indispensable. And I think when you are an entrepreneur, you feel this tremendous burden. But you know what? If the e-blast doesn't go out, if I don't get this book uploaded to Amazon, if I don't get the it's okay. The world is, we're not going to, we're not launching nuclear missiles. So just, Mm -hmm. just take your time. And I love, I love that you talked about when you came back and said, Hey, now what, what do I really need to come back and do? And I'm a big proponent of Sabbathing. I started about five years ago and I'm very intentional. You know, I love work. Work to me is fun as fun, but man, do I take my down day and I just turn it all off. And people are like, well, I haven't seen you doing on Facebook a while. Yeah, that is, that's not value. You're not gonna. I got other things I want to do with my time. And and it's just been, like you said, it's just so good to be relieved of that. We don't Mm -hmm. have to, we don't have to do it. And I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, we think we have to. And -hmm. how great that you said when you step away and go, really, do I need to be pulling this lever to drive the company forward? Or is there some other way that we can? uh, Yeah. I mean, it was, it was something where I had to do like, it's crazy even say that do double the work the week before so I could have it all automated because there wasn't even time to do the double the work, but we made it happen as a team to get everything queued up. But yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, only just mo- keeping the thing moving to keep it moving is, is not healthy, right? Absolutely. Like you need to assess and understand why are you doing what you're doing? And if you know there's things that you want to change, the best way to do it, you have to step back and evaluate it and then figure out how you're going to implement the change. But it is healthy to have those like walkaway points. And you, you call it a Sabbath where like you're, you know, taking some time off, intentional Rest time off. and R&R and we had it in the yeah. military. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the gentlemen on a podcast last week that I was interviewing said, you know, make sure that the activity you're doing is worthy of your energy. 
you know, and if that's not, so true, because it's a resource. It. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it. Save your greatest energy for the things that need to be you, you know? That's so good. Yeah. I've been way better this year at delegating. And we talked earlier about hardships and things that can come at us. I mean, who the heck expected a pandemic, right? Right. So uh, maybe we all should have, if we listened to Fauci a couple of years ago, who basically said it was coming on Trump's watch and very interesting things were said. Yeah. We're not going to go into politics, but anyone, most people listening to this probably know that. Yeah. It was uh, predicted like extremely accurately. But, you know, the majority of people didn't didn't know it was coming the way that it was. And so you move on, you prepare. Some businesses had to go out of business. It's crazy what's happened to like salons and people that were pinched in way, like really difficult ways. And then some businesses were like, oh, yeah, you can you just keep go back to operating regular procedure. And the small business owners were getting crushed and still in many ways are yes. struggling to recover from all of it. Foot tra- small foot traffic businesses really... I'd say got hit the worst. So you absolutely don't know. But the thing is, you handle it as it comes at you. And the lens I use that I'd like to share with the audience right now is the lens of how is this happening for me opposed to to me. So I was married for six years. I did not know or think that we would get divorced. We didn't have it in our vocabulary. We did not you know, see that as something that would ever happen. We got both got to a place where uh, we felt we were better off go in our two separate directions. It's, sometimes that happens. You just become two different people. My interests have changed. I was kind of becoming more entrepreneurial and totally different than I was when I was 21, 22, 23, when we were in our like early dating years. And I got married when I was 25. So I was very different at 25 and 31, the things I grew into. And so then we had some other personal underlying things, but uh, you get to a point of, uh, it was like a dark point of no return we had the divorce. It was devastating in many ways. I was mostly concerned about my time with my daughter. I thought even though it's kind of a mutual decision and agreement, a lot of things were cordial with how we set everything up. It still was not uh, 50-50 when it comes to time with your child, which I think is really, the system is definitely broken in many ways there. But, you know, but I didn't lay down, suck my thumb, like your dad would have said, uh, in the fetal position for months or weeks, you know, weeks, months, years. I felt it. I understood it. I knew I wasn't happy with what was going on. I knew I wasn't even happy with myself, who I became, the things that I stopped doing that uh, I had interest in, which media production and all kinds of stuff as a child that was fun to do. Uh, I even have a college degree in media production. I wasn't pursuing it. I was selling insurance and managing a sleep number store, uh, things I was very good at. But I wasn't at a 10-year-old, as a 10-year-old looking at it, I'd be like, who is this guy? You know? So it was time to get back to who I was again without anybody telling me who I had to be except for myself. And so I felt very freeing to be able to go into a position to do that. And then obviously some people are going to have a better grasp at entrepreneurship. Maybe they have parents that were entrepreneurial that they learned from. Some are going to have more resources. Maybe they have a little more leeway with with a savings account, whatever it might be. Everybody knows their tap out moment. I don't know if there's a better term for it, but oh, that's awesome. Maybe like a, is it a resilience and basically a level that you know you can withstand mm-hmm. and everyone's level is different. And the people who love us and care about us, friends and family, their tap out moment, it's a wrestling term tap out. Like if, if yeah. you're in like in a hold that you, you give up. So that give up moment is different for everybody. 
But people are, I've had people in the past after two years, they saw me make some strides and, and go back. Like one step forward, two steps back a lot is what I was doing in my first couple of years. Sometimes it was even one step forward and five steps back unintentionally, right? That happens to early entrepreneurs, right? And but a lot of people were like tapping out. Like, Mike, you know, you have a dream and this and that. And they were done. They didn't see it. They didn't see the vision. Mm -hmm. They were tapped out. That would have been where they quit. And no, nope, not picking on anybody. Um, but I knew in my heart that wasn't it. That wasn't even close to it. You know, if I'm fighting Goliath, I'm not tapping out right now. Right. Right. He's got to have, I'm right. still able to breathe and move. So I'm not right. tapped out. Right. right. He didn't get you. So you could, there's still an Yeah. I'm still swinging. Right. So, and then another year would go. And then other people who might say, whatever, maybe go back to doing what you're really good at. I don't just think that's a good idea or whatever. And then all these voices are in your head, which also is part of what leads this whole thing into that loneliness is because a lot of times the only person that believes in your vision is you, right? And look at Walt Disney. Like he had to, I think, get into cash value in his life insurance policy to because oh, sure. bank, banks oh, wouldn't yeah. fund they begged Disney him World. not to do it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. They begged him not to do it. They said, it's not a worthy thing. I think he got fired from a newspaper for mm -hmm. not being, they said, you're not creative enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. You're not creative enough. We're not going to give you money for Disney World. This whole thing's not going to work. And obviously it worked, right? So, and that's Disney. We're not trying to be Walt. We're not trying to be the next Elon. Uh, I hope you're not trying to be the next, whatever, Oprah, if that's your thing, or Steve Jobs, whoever you can name. Be you. Everyone else is taken. So be the best version of you. And I always talk about be great and be grateful. The two things right there I'm referring to, it's not a pompous greatness thing like, oh, you got to be, be this great person. What I mean by that is you have a gift or many gifts that make you up to your what your potential level is. And if you're not living to the greatness that you're able to achieve, it's like a, a jigsaw puzzle that's sitting in the box. Like, And it can be this beautiful picture. So don't you want to make that beautiful picture that you can be? Mm -hmm. And so that to me is like unlocking your greatness. That's mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do. And I also feel everybody's responsible if you're in an environment where you wake up and there's not a gun held to your head telling you what to do. We're in a free country when, excuse me, when you and I record this, right? Yeah. Uh, so we're in a situation where we can go and do these things. We can, we can achieve our greatness if we really focus on it and unlock it. And then it's to make everyone else better around us. And I do believe that that's a responsibility. Like we're born on this planet, how nobody knows our end date, right? So let's say, you know, God willing, you live a long, prosperous life. Who was improved because of that? Like all the people around you, it's not only your family. It's not one of one that you took care of. Like that's kind of, that's a sad story right there. If you were born, you only took care of, scratched your own back and you passed away and like one or two people maybe knew who you really were as a human being. And then everyone else around you didn't get anything. How many people actually live that lifestyle? Not trying to be calling people out or whatever, because everyone has the rights to do what they feel is right. But I would just say, if you're not maybe thinking about that yet, I'd like you to think about it. Like what's your actual, your purpose is bigger than you. And that's when you start to serve instead of work, it's more service. Right. Right. And leaders are in service to everyone around them. They're serving their team. They're serving their clients. And then obviously when they have a product or service that's bigger than only the clients who pay for it or whatever, like Apple is not just only serving people who purchase Apple products. They change the game. 
So everyone operates differently today because of what Steve's vision was for that company. Mm -hmm. And then Apple became something that everyone else played catch up with in different ways. And the way that we operate with smart devices and everything else changed the game. So he wanted to make a dent in the universe, which was his quote, and he absolutely did that. Right. So I would say, you know, instead of just saying I'm selling insurance or I'm managing this team or I'm the father of my children, like who are you actually on the planet? Because now we're all together. It's not the neighborhood anymore. It's not Sally and Susie Jones next door that you might be able to uh, have a nice backyard conversation and improve their day. You have the opportunity. That's why you and I are doing this interview because we want to help more people than only myself and only you. Because in the past, you know what you and I would have done? It would have either been a phone call or if you, if I lived in your town or you lived in my town, it would have been a cup of coffee. We would have had this very similar conversation. We would have went in our two separate directions and you and I would have benefited from it and maybe a fly in the wall. But we're doing this and recording it and getting out because if you and I can help one or more people, I would do it a thousand out of a thousand times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and I'll tell you what, Mike, you hit on the up the mountain, back down, back, back down for entrepreneurs out there. That is par for the course too. You're going to go up the mountain into a valley. And then sometimes you need to back up to a couple mountains before. That's okay. Either you have to relearn something that you didn't get right the first time, or it's just, it's just the journey. So I'm really, I'm really glad. And people don't get that because they're all still back in what I call Mount majority. They're like, well, why'd you leave in the first place? You know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, but you know, your calling and you know, you can choose to give up or you can choose to go on. You choose. Mm. And I love that that's really what you're telling everybody about. You can't blame it on the government, on religion, on race, any, you choose. And, mm-hmm. you know, once people dial that in, and I think sometimes we're weary because I think intrinsically we all know it's up to us. And when you deny that unlocking what's inside of you, it starts to wither your soul and you atrophy. And like you said, there are people that die that really all they did was sponge resources from the planet the whole time. That's yeah. what we're here to do. That's yeah. really well said. Yeah. So. You know, I want to add something I just thought of too, is the loneliness thing. It's like really heavy on my heart. I feel it. You know, I, I do a lot of things like within my community and my church and stuff. And, and I'm very easy to get along with. Like I, I'm intentional about having fun and making people feel better. I want when someone's with me for five minutes and I leave the scene that they feel better energy because of that situation. It's not something I'm always actively thoughtful about. It's just, my, that's my personality. But there's sometimes I still feel a little awkward socially in in a situation where like someone doesn't know or get what I'm doing or why I did this, or they might not even fully understand it. And a lot of times it's the relatable thing where maybe there's an intimidation if you're around a few friends that they're like struggling or hate their job. And then they're like, what are you doing? You have your own company and a podcast. And maybe I'm not saying it's a jealousy thing or whatever, but it could be. But it's really just that people don't always understand you or us or it, the thing that we're doing. And um, also one thing that I notice is when you start to reach up and change your habits and like, I could think of five of my closest friends right now, and I don't believe any of them meditate or have at least said that they have that I'm, I'm thinking of like people that I grew up with. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you start to kind of maybe outgrow your friends, you know, that whole old saying of like, you're the accumulation of your five closest friends. I, I do believe there's truth in that because the pack wants to keep everyone in the pack. And if you start to pull yourself out and hang out, now I'm hanging out with you. Uh, who are you hang out with? Dr. Tracy. Who's that? What's she doing? 
oh, she's got this great company and she's uh, all, all the people that she's inspiring and working with. And like, I'm in a mastermind group with her, whatever. And all of a sudden, the guys who just want to talk about football all day long and drink beer, that I'm not trying to say that I don't like these people, but it's not someone who I'm getting my inspirational resonation. Like it's not resonating with me anymore. Right. I'll hang out and chat with you, but I want to sit there on a Saturday and that's my thing. Like, I don't even watch TV really anymore unless it's on in the background. Typically, maybe there's a live event here or there. I love sports. I love the Yankees. I will put the game on in the background, typically on mute and I'll read a book or work on projects and do emails and all the important things I need to do with that. And there's absolutely no way for 162 games a year, plus the playoffs, if they can make it this year, they're struggling right now. But all those games, four hours times 162, that's like a part-time job. You got a PhD. And there's a lot of people who just, after whatever they're doing, they might be you know miserable, hate their job. And then they just like zone out. do that. They zone yeah. out. And this sounds super judgmental. And there might be people that are like, F you, dude. I just like watch the game, whatever. I get it. Maybe that's your out your outlet or whatever. But right. if it's not bettering yourself so you can help others, right. to me at this point in time, I don't really respect it anymore. Right. Like I respect people who are bettering themselves to help others. And that's really it. And yeah. um that's what I expect for myself. And that's what I expect others. So that what I'm saying, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, I want to make sure people understand what the hell I'm saying right now is that it's lonely because when people know you're doing that, they might be like, get intimidated by it. And it's not that you're trying to be intimidating or trying to say, I'm a cut above you guys now, but it is realistically what you're doing. You're looking to try to strive further. And so it's uncomfortable. Like all of a sudden you're the loner outsider. It'll happen. It happened with me with family and friends. And it continues to happen where if I'm around a group of like-minded people in a mastermind group, I am fitting right in. But if I'm around a couple of friends that have just kind of been doing the same thing for 20 years, it's uncomfortable for us now because they're kind of like, I'm not really feeling that it's not resonating with me anymore. And I think they're looking at me like, who are you anymore? Like, you're right. not, you're not like you used to be. What, what happened to Mike? You're not just a fun loving drummer that used to be hanging out and this, that, and the other thing. Like I'm still that same dude at my heart, but I just have a different purpose now because I tuned into it and Absolutely. I didn't realize it until after I got divorced when I had that, like come to the universe, come to God moment. And I literally said, like, what am I supposed to do? Like put yeah. me in position. I don't want it to be one of one who I'm taking care of right now. I want to, how can I actually be of service and make this place better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course it starts with myself and my daughter, but then what after that? And I think that's where people get energy from when they're like, how the hell do you do this for 12 hours a day and not get burned out? It's because it's like, if you had the cure for cancer, you're going to go knocking on doors and help as many people as you can. You're not just going to sit with that on your kitchen table. You're going to want to get it out to the world. So when you feel that much on purpose, uh, I forget who it is. I think it's Eric Thomas. He's a great speaker. He's really, he's got a high energy level to him. Not everybody can handle that for that long, but he, he's a great public speaker. And he said, when you want it, I forget the exact quote or the story, but there, there's a story about a guy who goes out into the ocean. He's basically like drowning or struggling for air. And he says, when you want it as much as you're in that moment and want air, it's non-negotiable. And that's how I feel. That's why I'm putting in the 12 hours. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to lose some sleep right now, pay the price today so I can pay any price tomorrow kind of thing, because I'm yep. building something that is going to, where if Isabel and I want to go to Disney, I'm not going, man, I got to like double up on everything for a week so we can do it. It's like, yeah, I can make it happen because the thing I built is operating 
with or without me at some point. Right. Because you put with my guidance, because I put that work in that nobody else was either willing to appreciate or even understand. Fine. They don't need to, but you need to. Right. Right. So yeah, I just want to make sure I was clear about that. Absolutely. Well, a lot of what you're kind of talking about is going to the next point, which my dad talked about abandonment. And of course, if you're a pet lover like me or you, abandonment has a a negative connotation. Fear of abandonment kind of has a bad, it's like, ooh, that's a bad word. But his point Mm -hmm. was that we need to abandon what we like and want to think about in favor of what we ought need to think about. And you have consistently dripped out as you ratchet it up, as you go to ascend the next thing, you're going to have to purge off, prune off some of what was in your life before in order to breathe the rarefied air up there to include friends, habits, time slots, all that stuff. So what I like to say, he's like, it's focus, Tracy. It's singular focus. And he's mm. now always telling me, I do more in a day to contribute to my failure than my success. And I'm like, how is that possible? And he's like, because I don't intentionally catch every thought, every moment. I mean, he was really diligent about it. But can you unpack for us that sense of abandonment and how you stay I mean, you've done a lot of it already, but anything else on abandonment and how you, you maintain that hyper-focus, why it's so important? Yeah, I think, you know, it's important to have touch checkpoints with yourself. Like, touch, you, know, you got to get back to being real again and evaluate. Don't wait until I did, you know, of going on vacation after four years to finally go, holy smokes, what am I doing? I'm driving myself crazy. And a lot of times it's stuff that I think just changing the plan a little bit makes a big difference? Or are there things you're doing that you can delegate? And in that one thing I would say you don't want to abandon yourself from is having fun, right? Like at the end of the day, if you literally are only doing things because you're driven to do it, but yet you're not having some level of fun, like that at the end of the day, I chose to be an entrepreneur so I can get away from a system that basically could run with or without me with no appreciation for who I actually was from my personality and a soul level. Right. To sound like a hippie, but like actually who I am as a person. Yeah. My my purpose, my cause. So, you know, you go into entrepreneurship. So you you have that thing that you can go and fight for. But at the same time, if you go and just start fighting for something and get a little bit lost in it, then you basically can become an employee of your own thing that you created, which there's times when I felt like, man, I have all these tasks to do for myself and my clients. And then it all of a sudden feels almost like, a job again, where you're basically just working for yourself. (laughs) Like you give yourself all the stuff to do. And if you get away from kind of having the fun again, being the kid that's playing in the sandbox with whatever it is that you're doing again, business service, whatever it is, leadership, it could be in sports. Again, if you're, if you're losing your love for the game, I would ask yourself why, and then and figure that out because you don't want to abandon yourself. And then also, again, the abandonment of others, that thing. Something else I wanted to add to what we talked about before is what's also tough about that loneliness thing is when you start to like reach up and as an entrepreneur, not everything's going to work out. So there's going to be a lot of people who are like, I proved I I was right. Or there's like a a game that gets played of like, I told him he should have not pursued that. And then if it didn't work out initially, you kind of feel like, oh my God, they're proving themselves right or me wrong or whatever. Just remember, the only person you have to prove right is yourself, right? Stop trying to make everyone else happy or show off, whether it's social media or whatever. It's not going to matter anyways. If you had a million followers or not, if you are lonely in the inside, uh, it's not going to fulfill it. It might feel good for a moment. Just like a lot of money dropped on your lap can feel good for a moment. But at the same time, if you don't have real 
connections with your family. Like the, the last thing I'd want is to live the rest of my life and then never have a strong connection with my daughter. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can give me the private jet and all the stuff and the island, but if I don't, you know, if she's like, if you, I don't, I don't want you in my life at some point, it's not going to be worth it to me. Like I want to have a great connection with her and other family. I want to bring people up around me that people like, you know, care about and the friends and, and the people in my mastermind group. I want to see them do well, knowing that somehow I was just a little bit of a back in that process. You know, I helped them out in some way. That's what's going to feel really good because that's fulfilling to me. Mm-hmm. The, we haven't even said that word somehow yet in this conversation. But the number one reason I left what I was doing is because I wasn't fulfilled. Right. I'm doing what it is today. And when I start to notice myself getting into that employee feel again, where it's like, working for yourself, I noticed that it's the fulfillment starts to come into question. Yes. So then that's just asking yourself, okay, what more can you do that is fulfilling? Is it something in addition? Like the reason I do my podcast, I didn't start that to monetize it or anything like that. It was a passion project that was fulfilling to me to have these conversations because my show is a similar concept to yours, learn from people and then collectively educate the audience in some way of inspiration and to me, it was worth an hour to sit on the mic and to have a great conversation. And I don't know. I do a lot of air work behind the scenes that people don't know about, like preparing for an interview and all the post-production is, you know, but you know, it's that fulfilling thing. It's like doing it is, I remind myself often why I do what I do in the moment. Like I'll be like, I had a fantastic interview earlier today and it just reminded me, this is why I'm doing it. Yes. There's not always an ROI. Yeah. If everything you're looking for is an ROI, imagine if you like did that as a parent or friend, like, oh, I'm hanging out with you, Tracy. Let's go to a movie Friday night. And you go and you're like, is every moment ROI positive? Uh, Did she make me laugh? Did I make her laugh? Did you enjoy the popcorn? Are we having fun? Is every second perfect? Like that's how business is. Like when someone says to me, it's not ROI positive. Like, how do you know? Like what you're doing today might make you a better person. So next month you can land that deal because you just learned something. And this is an experience. Life's experience aren't ROI. Mm-hmm. And right. certainly you want to have some checks and balances that if you're doing business activity, you want it to have a return on investment, no doubt. But if you're like overly tight about it, it like ruins the experience. Yeah. It's again, like being on vacation. Someone's like, are you having fun right now? Is this fun? Are you enjoying this? How's that roller coaster? Is it going good? That's just too much. Right. So I would say, you know, super important to have fulfillment and remind yourself of why you're doing it. But don't be like overkill about it because that, that will kill your vibes and then your, pur- your purpose will feel almost too plastic and not natural. Right. Well, and it's almost get, gets into trading. Okay. I'm going to do this for you. And that this is what I'm, that's the universe is not about training. You give yeah. because uh-huh. my dad would be like, you don't give to get, it's all God's anyways. You give because the more you give, you get a greater capacity to give. And if that's reciprocity so happens, then it happens. But if not, it's just in the art of me blessing others, I am blessed, what, regardless of what I get out of it or not, yeah. you know? Right. That's like why people feel uncomfortable when someone does give you something because then it's like, how would it, what's he going to ask me to do? Right. Like if the neighbor cut your grass and you didn't ask him to, you're like, does he want me to shovel <laughs> right. in the winter? Now I'm shoveling his driveway. What just, ha- what just happened? What did you just sign me up for? But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. And I'm much better now that I'm older. I just allow people, I'm like, thank you for that blessing. And I love it when I come in to help people and they're like, they just allow me to bless them. And I'm like, thank you. Just say yes. Mm-hmm. And I am, when I was younger, I'm like, well, no, no, because then I'm going to be in, indebted to you. And I was so stupid. You know, there's all these earth angels willing to help me. And I'm like, oh, you know, how can I pay you back? Just let them do it. 
let them bless mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. you know, because that's their thing. That's their yeah. life. Ex- that's a huge, that's a whole nother podcast is accepting blessings is hard for a lot of people. It really is. But take them, take them. And then also think about how you can bless people with no expectation of it being yeah. returned. Yeah. And um, the best thing at Christmas, right? Hopefully, if you're listening to this and you and I, if, if we get real with each other, it certainly feels better when you give someone a gift and you watch their face when they open it than it does by getting a gift. Let's be real. At least that's the adult yeah. mentality. When you're six years old, you don't care about anybody else. You just want the, the Barbie or the GI Joe or whatever. But when you are an adult, whether you have kids or not, it could be a spouse, a girlfriend, grandchild, a grandfather, whoever it is. It's just that magical moment that's literally giving a physical gift, but it doesn't have to be that. It could be surprising someone with flowers, not on Valentine's Day. That's huge. Or, you know, if they let you borrow their car for something because you needed a lift in town and you fill it up with gas without them telling you to do it or something where you're just like, I can actually uh, make this person smile today without me saying, see, I made you smile. Because again, that's like giving a gift and go, do you like it? Do you like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice? Are you happy I filled your tank up with gas? That was something I didn't have to do. Did you notice that I did it though? Because you didn't want me to do it, but I did it. Like then all of a sudden the, the magic of it's gone. Yeah. Because exactly. it's all about you. Right. And, and it's not about you. It's a. It's not about you. It's about right. giving. Lock the blessing pipeline again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just so important to remember about when you're giving, it's not about Hey, what did I do here? Yeah. It's not a pat on the back. It's not a gold star. It's about making the world better because, you know, I love the saying uh, Gandhi put out there, be the change you want to see in the world. Right. Go and do it. But don't turn around and say, did you see what I did? What I did here? You just, your actions speak for you. Absolutely. Okay. Holiness, awareness, abandonment. Last one. And this dovetails into a lot of what you're talking about. Vision. And I think you named like Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, all these people that were like, oh, I'm not a visionary. These people. But my dad was like, vision is simply seeing what needs to be done and then doing it. Because if Mm -hmm. you don't have that action and the law of attraction, nothing happens. So can you share with me what vision means to you and how you continually hone it for what you have with your organization? Mike, so important. So my vision to me, Right. So I come from a, a media production and a director. I always loved studying film and storytelling. And so to me, vision is huge because it's literally like how something looks when it's on. When I watch a movie, I'm watching it in a different lens than just what's being said. It's, it's the whole setting the scene. So I feel like I am one of my superpowers is uh, to be a visionary. When I was thinking of Social Chameleon on the couch, writing names, coming up with what my media company's name was going to be, I was already picturing it as the 50-year successful company of like picturing what Apple would be when the guys are coming up with the, the idea in a garage, right? And they're putting together different circuit boards and stuff. So I think it's super important to take time to make sure you're putting time and energy into your vision. The CEO of a company... Now, we're all the CEO of our own lives. We're the, if you're a parent, you're the CEO of your family, right? So that position's number one role is to be a visionary, to see things through and then see how the team is like a head coach of the football team, mm-hmm. right? It's a visionary thing of how you're going to win the Super Bowl, but also then you have to put the processes in place. Then you have to do the little meetings, practices, the preseason games, the games, right? Check your season every four games, right? You got like the first four games. 
And then you just build into it. But it all starts with a vision for how you're going to get there. It's so important when you first see it and you start to feel it when you're seeing it in your head. It's an experience. And then when you set the process out and you go and do the things that you need to do, it feels different. It's like you're coming from it like you're now living in your, you're the protagonist in your own story if you want to stay with that whole kind of theory, right? So I do believe we're all the, we can be the protagonist in our own story. God willing, we get to have a long, prosperous life. But think about reflecting back and ask yourself, if I get to write the story on these empty pages, what story do I want to tell? So imagine yourself right now, I'm 35. So my story, I would say, can start from somewhere just before that, as far as my entrepreneurial story. It can tell a little bit about my childhood, my upbringing, what makes me who I am, the decision to change. And then when my purpose was created, then where it goes with that. I feel like I'm kind of in chapter two or three of my story. Maybe if it's 12 or 15 chapters is the whole big picture. I feel like I'm in chapter two or three. Yeah. And I acknowledge it and I'm operating as if I'm there. I'm not trying to fit, be fake and be chapter 12. I'm not trying to beat myself up and say, yeah, I'm still friggin' chapter one again because I have some setbacks. We're all, you know where you're at. But the vision is so important because either, if you're just working and moving, trying to move forward and you're solving and you're doing all kinds of projects without the vision first, you don't know where you're at in the, in the whole thing. And that can be scary because you can be years into it. And then all of a sudden you're like, which direction am I even moving in? Mm -hmm. Right. Again, I'll keep it very simple. A football coach and a football team, they know what their one goal is. It's to win the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. That is at the end of the day, everything they do is to, to work towards that. It's identified, right? It's, they know exactly what it is. There's games that are played. There's a schedule of when those games are played. They know the field size. They know how to score touchdowns. It's all mapped out. If I pick a quarterback and just tell them, you're going to have to throw passes. Sometimes guys will catch them. Sometimes you get points. We don't, you're going to have to figure out what the scoring looks like. Sometimes you play games. Sometimes they count. Sometimes they don't. Winning happens at some point. Come back and check with me and maybe I'll let you know how that actually happens. And at some point you might win a championship. Right. So you got one group that everything is mapped out and they know what is calculated. And another group of people that's just trying to figure out, put it all together like a jigsaw puzzle without the picture in the box. Right. right. So that's kind of what a vision is, is right. getting the jigsaw puzzle right. yeah. with the picture opposed to an empty box, picture a brown box with jigsaw pieces in it with no picture. You don't know what you're, what you're building. Right. So guess what? Both people can actually build the picture because if you spend enough time, even without it, you're going to be able to look at that beautiful picture. With, is that an airplane behind you? Air Force? Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that picture, right? So that almost looks like that would be a beautiful puzzle to make, right? So if if you had all those pieces, someone could put that together because they're going to do the blue borders. They're going to see on the top right, there's some white. So all the white pieces stay together. The jet is silver gray. So they'll be able to find like the jet pieces, but it's going to take them a hell of a lot longer than for someone that knows, look, that plane's a little bit lower than dead center. So when you're building the map, you have a vision for it. So to me, it's like, the vision comes first and then the processes come second. And no, I do not have this all figured out. And I'm a student right. of the game myself, right. but I, I certainly know that anytime I need to recalibrate, like I've talked about in the book I'm reading, it all starts with the vision first. Right. And that's actually where I get my energy from because I'm a visionary kind of person. Like I said, if that gets murky, 
working 12 hours a day just starts to feel like you're working for somebody else again because you forget what your vision is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's important to go back to that source again and take a sip of the water and say, ah, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, of course, the vision changes. I started off as a media production marketing company. I was building websites. I was doing all, all the boring stuff in marketing like SEO and SEM, basically helping people land on the first page of Google, optimizing their ads on Facebook, stuff that was fun for me. But then eventually I kind of lost the love for it because it was things people needed. So I thought, oh, I can help you with things that you need for your business. But it wasn't necessarily what I got the most personal fulfillment for. So eventually... Instead of trying to water the forest, I started to water the garden. I got laser focused on the area that I wanted to focus on, which was podcasting. And once I did that, because trying to monitor and water the forest, imagine how difficult that is. And when things grow, you may not even notice them right Right. away. When there's weeds, how do you even navigate and find them? How do you remove those? And when you do remove them, if they grow back somewhere else in the forest, good luck finding them. If you have a 10 by 10 plot of land, you can really hone in on that. And you can see where things are growing, where things aren't growing straight. You can go to your little tomato plant and talk to it a little bit. Like you have a personal relationship with being great at something. I'm not saying you only have to do one product or one service, but have it more laser focused. And guess what? When I did that, things started to grow. Right. Yeah. Somebody once told me that they said, Tracy, you can't be everything to all people. And they're like, who makes more money, a specialist or a general practitioner? Well, a specialist, because they're very nuanced and they go deep in something that people have a need for. And I think for entrepreneurs, we, we can get very generic and we try to be too relatable. And mm-hmm. without that dialing it in and getting the clearest focus, it's like a kaleidoscope versus a laser beam. A laser mm-hmm. beam is so powerful because it's intensely focused, you know, mm-hmm. that's what you want your business vision to be. Yeah. I would say in that one particular thing, you have the vision and it's focused. That doesn't mean that you're only limiting yourself to one thing. I know most oh, sure. uh, you know, entrepreneurs have different arms into different uh, things, but when they go to back to that assignment, whether it's a business or if they're, uh, you know, have some financial play in, w- with an organization, they're going to go in there and have it very much aligned mm-hmm. with what they're doing what the focus is, what the story is that they're telling, what the vision looks like. Uh, It's not going to be wishy-washy all over the place. Right. I love it. Okay. So that was, that was vision. And thank you for your insights on that. So we've covered loneliness. We've covered weariness, abandonment, and vision. Anything else, Mike, that you would like to share with our leaders uh, or in any other lessons or things that, that you found through your experiences? Yeah, I would say one of the most important things that we can all do, social media is huge. We all have this best version of ourselves that we want to put out consistently. And I'm not arguing with what your dad said, where he said, you know, you don't have to show your cards to everyone. I do agree with that. But I also feel that if you're fake, if you're holding too much of a facade, or if you're not being vulnerable at all, then you're not really being your actual true self and your personal brand. Mm -hmm. That's what podcasting is, is personal branding. And uh, so if you're listening, you're like, well, I'm not a podcaster. Fine. You're a salesperson. Yeah. Okay. So your story is who you are. People are going to like, know, and trust what you're all about. So have some vulnerability with it, relatability to it. And it has to be genuine. Right. If everyone you sell to, one person has a nephew that plays baseball. Oh man, I used to play baseball. And then the next one's like, well, I'm a bowling champion. Oh, let me tell you about the time I was a bowling. No, it has to be real. If it's a real story, it's a real story and be genuine. 
but it's important to be vulnerable because people can then connect and relate to you. And certainly if you think about the shows that you may tune into and feel the most at home with conversations and the content, it's not people that are trying to be an elitist attitude where they're not showing that their true self. Typically the shows that resonate and get the most views are when people are being real about it. Doesn't mean you have to lay out all your dirty laundry. It just means that you're being more of a like vulnerable version of yourself, which uh, I feel I've done today, you know, sharing some of my stories that I didn't absolutely have to share, but it's still people tuning in know a little bit more about me and understand what's going on. So I think that's super important out of a list of bullet points. And I think it's important for people in business too, whether you're a leader or you're on the team, whatever your position is, being real, there's no alternative to it. Right. Okay. It's not ever, it never helps you out to be fake. Never fake it till you make it. I think that just was misunderstood of what that even it was. It was. And I think, I think that, yeah, I, like, even if you don't feel like it, feelings come after thoughts. You may not feel like it. Start put it up here. I don't think it was be a facade. I think you're right. It was kind of taken out of context. Yeah. Like the fake it till you make it thing to me that I actually appreciate is that it's like, get started, even if you don't have it all figured out. Right. That's how right. I took it. I'm not taking that as like, put armor on and a mask on and try to tell people you are who you're not. Yeah. Because that's not going to help you and that's going to hurt them. Right. So, but I would say don't start until you feel it's a sunny day and I have it all figured out and whatever. And I don't have six pack abs. So I'm not going to post a picture of my family at the beach because I don't feel good about how I look. Like people will love the fact that you're happy and on the beach with your family. And you shouldn't care how many likes you get on that anyways. But if you're going to get more, if you're real and happy about it anyways, then you would if it's whatever. I love it. So, you know, stop with the vanity metrics and just start being more real. I think that can serve everybody well. And I don't, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be a doctor, a nurse, a a salesperson, entrepreneur, especially with your family. Gotta be real. Well, and how encouraging for the entrepreneurs out there, because a lot of us are like, oh my gosh, I got to be doing all this stuff and look what everybody else is doing. And like you said, you can't conversate with people until there's an identification. So just use it and and put the greater side of yourself out there. And I love the vanity metrics because you get, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be doing this or that. Just be real. Yeah, there's a story in Recalibrate that Jen shares. It was uh, someone that she used to follow or followed on social media. And it was this woman who would just come out there. Her hair could be in a bun, a little bit of messy activity. There's a kid in the next room kind of audibly heard, whatever. And she was giving this these great videos and, and it was real and engaging. And her following was blowing up like crazy. And she was just very real. Okay, it wasn't overcalculated. Uh, it wasn't highly produced. Then she started to get a following, a budget, and she started to highly produce her videos. And there was like soundproof and no kid in the room. And she was wearing her best outfit and she had more makeup on and her hair was done well. And she had everything looking beautiful, studio quality, but the content suffered because she all of a sudden was like trying too hard. So I, you got to be somewhere in between. I don't think it's cool to, at this point to just throw anything together. I think that's no good because right. people aren't going to give you a You're second not respecting chance. respecting your audience. Yeah. yeah, yeah Respect yeah. your audience to put time and effort into it, but don't wait to overcalculate before you put any content out either. Be somewhere in between. Like it, look, you want to have, you know, a good looking header and subtitles and stuff. But most important thing is what you're, you know, the content. What's actually talked about you and I having this conversation and that's it, you know, it's, uh, that's, what's what people are going to care most about, not the shirt, 
my, I don't even have a word on my shirt. It's just a black t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm not trying to over impress anyone right now. I'm, I'm here to deliver whatever information I can give and hope that if it helps one person out, I spent my time well. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Well, Mike, how can people get a hold of you? So many ways talked about social. I spend the most time on Instagram and also LinkedIn. So if you go to LinkedIn and you search for Mike DiCiocio, and I know it's clickable in the show notes. So do that. If you want to try to spell it, it's D-I-C-I-O-C-C-I-O. And so you can connect with me on LinkedIn. And it's also at Mike DiCiocio on Instagram and Twitter. I don't spend too much time on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. So if you want to connect with me there, do that. And then my website is socialchameleon.us. And that can be clickable as well. And chameleon spelled C-H-A-M-E-L-E-O-N. So if people are wondering, it's like the animal, the yeah. little lizard guy. Little lizard so it's guy. chameleon, C-H-A-M-E-L-E-O-N dot U-S. And that's my company. And then my podcast is called Miked Up. And I kept that super easy too. It's mikeduppodcast.com. Excellent. And that's M-I-K-E-D uppodcast.com. And for the listeners out, for the entrepreneurs that may be like, hey, I'd love to do a podcast, they can approach you about, you have your own podcast, but you actually work to produce other people's podcasts, correct? Yeah. Social Chameleon is a podcast production, distribution, and promo company. So we help you with creating your long episodes, audio and video, but also the social media content that we're talking about. We do produce that. And then also I have my own show where, yeah, if somebody tune into my show first, so you get a feel for it. And then if you have a suggestion, whether it's yourself or someone, you know, as a guest suggestion, I am cool with people saying, Hey, you should interview this person. Uh, but know that I also am very, I spend time on making sure I have people on the show that are going to tell stories that are going to drive the audience to the right place. So it's not just like everyone who wants to be on the show. Yeah, just come on and we'll have a big party. Um, as much as I, I love to do that, I make sure when I'm pressing record that it's going to be of high value. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. There's Dr. Tracy Jones going to be on my show very soon. So. Can't wait. I'm, I, you're saying that. I'm like, I'm so honored. I'm so honored. I made the cut. Like, thank you. Made the cool. cut. Yeah. Listen, I'll tell you what, you just really gave us so much. I learned so much more about you and your journey. And I thank you for sharing with people out there. I think you gave our listeners just so much at different stages, uh, just words of encouragement, words of uh, like the Sherpa and the sage that kind of comes along and lets them know, hey, this is far for the course, but, but you can do this. You can keep going. And mm-hmm. for listeners out there, please be sure and connect with Mike. Check out his podcast, connect with him on all those different ways. That's why he and I do what we do, because the world, you cannot get it right without the right people. Yeah. And the more great people you have, you heard him talk about Jim Rohn and you are uh, the five people. Make Mike one of those people. All right. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm going to throw this out. One more thing I want to say is, guys, if you ever feel lost, remember again to ask yourself, what is my total purpose here? Like, how can this world be better for me? Because you do, everyone can add to that equation and something you can do as small as it is, as large as it is. How are you able to make the world a better place? Like, it will be a better place because of you. So if you're listening to this, you get lost, you're not sure what you're fighting for anymore. Get back to figuring that out. And so then you can go and do that because I know my grandparents on both sides came over from Italy. They had to learn a new language. They were, I had grandmothers that were on a boat by themselves coming over, writing handwritten letters months later, getting a response, didn't know what the heck they were doing, figuring it out as they went, mm. barely had you know any money you know coming in. They had entrepreneurial journeys and stuff to, to make a, a buck. They did all that 
for me, I wasn't even born yet, obviously. Yeah. Like it's, it, they did it for the generational change. And then if I just sit on my, you know what, and take it for granted, right. that is a sin. So to me, like my both sets of grandparents took this huge chance. They put their life on the line to come to America so their family can have an opportunity to live in a free world. Mm-hmm. And if I'm just sitting here like, I'm miserable. I'm just going to work at this job so I can get a 401k, retire, and maybe set my family up. Hey, I'm not saying that's not uh, worthy that you're taking care of your family. But if that's all you did, if that's all I did, I'm going to speak for myself. I'm going to feel like I really let myself down, my grandparents that are no longer with me down, and future generations down. Because then I wasn't, it's like planting a tree, but just like planting it in the darkness when all you had to do is move the seed in here, water it, and put light on it. And now it could become this beautiful, fruitful thing. So if you feel like you're a little lost right now, just know that you can move, move into the light and water yourself in different ways. And you can really grow into that, your potential. I love it. I love it. Well, Mike DiCiocio, thank you so much thank for you spending so much. time with us. Uh, and I look forward to being on your show in about two weeks. Yeah, right? I'm looking forward to it. No pressure. No, It's going to be the best one yet. So. No, I'm looking forward to it. You bring so much value to the table through everything that you've done. And it's incredible what you're doing for your audience and what you've learned from your dad. And actually hearing you talk about your dad makes me, brings me a lot of happiness because I feel that that's a similar, similar relationship I'm looking to build with my daughter. So beautiful. it's a beautiful thing. I love it. And I'm sure, I'm sure you're all that pouring in it is going to, she's going to be a little mini tea, <laughs> mini t- tremendous to Chocho. <laughs> yeah. All she's, right. she's incredible. I learn a lot from her every day. That's cool. That's awesome. All right, Mike. Well, listen uh, to our listeners out there. Thank you so much for being part of our tremendous tribe. Never forget to keep on paying the price of leadership. We're right there beside you. As Mike said, you reach out, please hit the subscribe button. If you like us, do us the honor of leaving us a five-star review and leave us a comment or share this with somebody that you know is also trying to dial in their purpose and wanting to step into being their most truest and authentic self. Thank you again for being a part of our tribe. Have a tremendous rest of the day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.